A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, here in the Rugby Dungeon. Look at this, even though it's a bank holiday Monday, we're here making sure there's a podcast on a Monday for our American and overseas listeners, Ooh. and for those those fine people working what? on a bank holiday. Aren't Americans on their bank holiday? Because it's Memorial Day. On Memorial Day, day of course. Oh. Well, in honour of... Well, Murph, of course, Captain Murph. In honour of Captain Murphy, we'll be doing the Murph at CrossFit tomorrow, JB. Um, you going to join in? Do- oh, no, you can't with your leg. Can uh, you? I can, you, can, you could I do could, it. I could. So, I no, don't it. do it because you'll shame me and JB when you. Yeah, you would. Well, I don't do Murph as well because, as in, I don't do the weighted vest. I'll do a hundred chin-ups as I do them. I'll do a couple hundred press-ups and three hundred squats and a mile run at each. End. A mile run at each end. I, I'll probably do it one day this week. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but what I'm saying was, we're here. Um, um, yeah, more importantly, m- we're here to talk about, rugby, <laughs> about CrossFit. But we will talk about CrossFit, so don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> Memorial Day in America, uh, this podcast is still out. Bank Holiday in the UK, podcast is still out. If you appreciate the fact we're the only podcast there for you, 52 weeks of the year, nearly 10 years, then you can support us by hitting subscribe, by telling a mate, or by going to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers, where there's more content and uh, more ways that you can keep the lights on and um, and keep this operation going thank you very much I'm Tim JB again only fans ready with his feet exactly exactly how, um, how are we boys and there's Phil hello hello very good thank you um, yeah uh, finals weekend uh, and we've got a lot we'll talk we never just talk about the rugby we'll meander all over the shop but <laughs> just generally without going into too much detail on, on the specific games, two fantastic finals, it has to be said. I got it, yeah. I, I thought the URC final in particular was great. It was an absolute thunderous final. It, it was a, a real arm wrestle, wasn't it, yeah. that one? So was the Premiership. It, in a different way. Yeah. yeah. A lot more dog in the URC. Premiership a bit more free-flowing. It felt, you know, of the two finals, the URC final was the higher quality of the two because it was just so attritional. It just felt like... Both those teams were just just so battle-hardened, which is not what I think of when I think of the URC, even remotely. Um, but yeah, the Premiership final was also a very good game of rugby. Yeah, it was outstanding. So we'll definitely be getting into those games. Um, I, I just think it's important to start, and it, this is the, the yin to the yang at the minute, isn't it? You've got oh, two great finals, two trophies being given out, two very happy sets of fans and players uh, at these showpiece events. But then we've got to acknowledge the fact that as we talk right now, and or as you listen on, uh, well, if you listen on a Monday, 
this could be the final day that London Irish are trading. Mm. Yeah. I don't know where this is going. Have you have you heard or do you get any sense about where this is going? I, I do get a sense of, of, of where it's going. A very strong sense of where it's going. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a suggestion here. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, we were talking about Saracens previewing them for the final. And you made a very wise point to him, which is just enjoy the rugby. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the final, enjoy only the rugby, and then we can talk about what the wider permutations are for the Premiership. Because okay. I think, you know, we're going to have to talk about the crowd. We're going to have to talk about where these two teams go next. We're going to have to talk about London Irish. We're going to have to talk about the league, the lack of teams. We're going to have to talk about all of this stuff. Okay. Because all right. there's a lot to get into. Yeah, fair, 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 fair. So, well, let's start with the Premiership final then at Twickenham. And um, I, I, the big takeaway for me was... A, a news flash: Owen Farrell is very, very good at rugby. <laughs> he, he had a good game, didn't he? He was awesome. Do you know what I thought? Like the big story is on this: is Saracens telling you all season who they are, and then exactly following up that blueprint perfectly? And it is so rare to be so good that you can tell somebody what you're going to do, openly tell, they've openly told everyone, and then do it. So Saracens' story this year is: we're going to reinvent our game, and then we're going to beat you in the last twenty. And what did they do to sale? They did exactly the same as they've done to everybody else. And I think that is quite something. Because people say all the time, that they're like, oh, we're going to change how we play. And they never do. They yeah. just end up playing how, however they play. Saracens are so meticulous with what, with what they do. They did exactly as they said. And to dovetail with that, Maru Itoji's comments after the game were, this is the best coach team he has ever been a part of. Well, he's only ever been a part of one team. Well, no, <coughs> well England, 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 England. And he's had, he's had lots of yeah. iterations of Saracens. As you say, European champion winning Saracen sides. Uh, I think they have squeezed... It's certainly in the domestic time. No, no, actually, when you compare the squad they have now that's just won the Premiership, uh, it's a strong squad compared to other Premiership squads, but you have to, the, the comparison with other European squads is relevant. Yes, I, it I, is. I think, relatively speaking, they've squeezed as much out of this Saracens team as they have out of any Saracens team. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I do. I agree with that. Um, noting, obviously, for um, fans of other clubs that they... Not only did previous teams they squeeze more out of it, they also spent more as well. Yeah. well so <laughs> People think, be going mad about that. Well, yeah, uh, but I was comparing the but, European. But, yeah, but yes, yeah, 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 yeah. you, so you are quite right. I think though. there's sort of two narratives going on here, which is how these two teams have ended up where they are. Now, let's uh, let's fully acknowledge that they're both great teams and that they deserve to be here. But there are mm. some peculiarities about both of them. The best two teams in the league this year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely this season. The best two teams got to the final. So the peculiarities are as follows, right? Saracens can get world superstars playing for them because of loyalty from before the salary cap scandal. In my mind... Well, Mar- because they produced a lot of those world talent. World well, talent. yes, yeah. they did, but like, there's still Elliot Daly there. I mean, he was bought from Wasps. There's still like the Maitlands. There's um, Owen Farrell and there's Mario Toji. Only one can be a... Marquee player, and both of them, to my mind, look like they should be in racing outfits. But, you know, <laughs> here they are. Uh, you know, the Vunapolas are still there. So they've got a lot of buy-in from lads who were there prior to the scandal, and they're still there. They are ageing, but they're good enough to win. And so, yeah. in a way, Saracens get a bit of a discount. <clears throat> oh, Ben Earl, L- Lazowski, Tomkins, they're still there. They're yeah. all still there. Malins for, uh, na- for now. Ezekwe, you know? So, Ezekwe, yeah. Back Christ, there. Jamie George. Like, they've just got some amazing, amazing players who are very loyal to that team. Eventually, that generation will die out and they're going to have to deal with their squad the same way everyone else does. Sale is slightly different. 
Sale had the foresight, and this is quite technical, to redo all of their contracts immediately as COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So immediately they gave everyone a bit of a pay cut. Everyone signed up to it. They had them all signed up and done. But they did it before the grandfathering date, which meant that they could then get a further 25% discount, which is why they can keep this amazing squad together. It's why they can go out and afford Johnny Hill, and they can afford um, George Ford, and they can afford, well, basically what, what they've got. So you've got these two peculiarities in these two teams which make them much better than everyone else because they can just afford better players for now. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to go through the Exeter process, and it's going to be painful. Well, probably by the time that happens, the salary cap will be elevated again next uh, season yeah. after this. But one. then they're in competition. Yes. So like, they're yeah, no, be no buying yeah, like, yeah. the same. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not everyone. Not everyone will spend up to the salary cap. Maybe mm. even maybe even Sale won't spend up to the salary cap. I have a feeling they might. Mm. I'm feeling they might. It, uh, sale. Things are very fickle at sale just because they don't own their ground, so they only get a fraction of the revenue. This is true. So, this is true. Yeah, we'll see. Because historically, in all those years that Diamond uh, squeezed more out of the squad than than many other people would have done, they were spending under the salary cap for a long period of time, weren't they? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, because from the point that you referenced, that COVID re-signing of the contracts, they've actually let some superstars go as well. Mm-hmm. They had Lude, they had Faf. There are probably others that I'm not thinking of at the moment. Who um, they allowed to go? Well, I mean, I don't know if you, would you call Renz, Van Rensberger superstar. I mean, he came he, as a superstar. He came and he could he left have as been. a journeyman. Yes, yeah. Um, he, there are one or two others, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. There's other people have gone, but yeah, they, they so they didn't manage to keep all the the superstars, but they retained enough to be good enough. Yeah, and and I, they play in a nice way. They've got a, a very tough um, pack to be to be able to bring off. Ewan Ashman, Bevan Rod, Conustes, and off the bench for the front row. It, not many teams can offer that much depth in in a key position yeah. for games like this. So, Sale, in my mind, had in their sights Saracens' second, sorry, last quarter resurgence. I don't know if you, you felt this. I felt they emptied their bench early to try and overcome that. That's, mm. that, that's what that's what I felt. So they brought on Rafi, they brought on Ashman. Mm-hmm. Basically emptied the entire bench, and it nearly worked. It nearly, nearly worked. But Saracens are just well. Well, uh, I mean, the, it's eighty minutes, so it's never down to one singular point of failure. But I wonder how many times Joe Carpenter is going to replay oh. letting that ball bounce. Well, I mean, Joe Carpenter is a great player. Oh yeah, he's. Had a I great think season. he's going to be the next England fullback. You don't? I do. Uh, I'm not. No, I'm not convinced about that. But so the next capped England fullback who's not already capped, who's it going to be? Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I think it's Joe Carpenter. I, I I really like Joe Carpenter. I think he's a quality player. He he, he might get a cap. I think he'll get a cap. I'm sure, he'll get a cap. But here's here's my point. First final, and it was clearly not Alex Good's first rodeo. Yeah. And he was ace. A he lot was, of times he was he ace. Was, he Thirty-four was years old, or thirty-eight, or however old he is. One hundred and fifty. One hundred sixty years from old. The open, he caught the opening catch. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, from from the very early stage, it was like he just made the right decisions. Yeah. And well, ne- just never like looked so calm. Never flustered. So much time on the ball. Yeah. Yes, that's it, isn't it? He's always he's always stepping inside. He's always got time on the ball. He's never getting caught. I, I wonder if that's how he's managed to get to age 35 and still be so effective because he doesn't kind of like Floyd Mayweather he doesn't get hit yeah yeah it's a good shout actually and what Saracens did and he was 
he definitely was a big part of this. They actually didn't play, as you pointed out, they didn't play conservatively. They were offloading when it probably wasn't on. Yeah, mm. yeah. Loads and loads. <laughs> yeah. And over 80 minutes, that that made a difference, particularly against Sale, who were trying to line you up and hit you, trying to line you up as a man and hit you. And it... Um, so yeah, they've really evolved the way they play, and I, I love the way I love well, the way Saracens play. Sale trying to hit you, that actually Saracens use that well. For the, the Malins try was a great example. Yes. Faz draws the t- I can't remember who yeah. jumped, smashes yeah, Faz really late lift, but he just late right at the last second to the hole that's created by him getting smashed, and, and Malins goes through. And the best fly halves do that, and uh, I'm, Farrell looks flatter taking the ball flatter than I've basically ever seen him. Yeah, mm. and. Johnny Sexton, that's one of the things he really does, and I think Leicester missed with Ross Byrne, is you have to be you have to be unbelievably brave to play like that as a fly half. Mm-hmm. And because you're going to get hit. Because George Ford is a tiny bit, tiny bit quiet, I felt. I, I thought, first I, quarter, certainly. I also, I tend to agree. I, th- I think a lot of the gains that uh, Sale had was through their forwards, through yep. their pack, and obviously George Ford needs to get them in the right place, which he did, but he was quite quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see... Much evidence of what I've really liked about Sale recently. So it's this pressure game, it's a forward based game, but when they need to attack, they're very fluid with ball in hand last quarter. For whatever reason it was, they were just missing it. Well, the, the rule book try was good, and I thought the rod try where Curry makes the break down the right yeah. wing, yeah. that well, was, was big, that rod, was a brilliant, pass over the top. Brilliant pass from Rod over the top to Tom Curry, and then yeah. Bevan Rod, first man there, who's basically. Play, he was the best scrum half on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw Bevan Rod on, on Thursday in Trevor Centre. Had a chat with him. I saw him on Wednesday oh, walking yeah. down Burton Road. Oh, he, yeah, he said. Uh, I've not got a Bevan you know, Rod, got a Bevan Rod story, anecdote no? recently. Come yeah. on, Phil. <laughs> and then uh, all of them are bare today. Yeah, they're all, all gone to Marbs. Yeah. Um, Fair play. So, uh, yeah, another thing I'd like to point out is what a remarkable season for so many lads at Sale. So. Obviously, they'd love to have won this, and they were so close. I mean, you score 27 points in the final. Yeah. Joe Carpenter, Aaron Reid, uh, Tom Roebuck, Gus War. Gus War. I mean, that's a hell of a season, isn't it? Sam Dugdale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just... Carp- Carpenter and Roebuck, for me, that I, yeah. I, I, re- I do really rate both of them. I think yeah. they're excellent. Not Gus yeah. Warner. They rate Gus War. I do rate Gus War not as highly as those two, though. I disagree. I, don't, I just I think don't he's think got it. I don't think he'll get... Uh, I don't think he'll get an England cap. No, because he's Scottish. Yeah, he's got to be English qualified as well. Yeah, he will be QP. I, I think he'll run into a bit of an issue when he does play for Scotland because he must. Someone's going to have to want him because you can't get to Premiership. I mean, he has driven that team on his first, as his first year as a starter. He's driven that team like little bits of experience really impressed me. Do you see when he milked, milked the penalty? Uh, yeah, in the for, for the first. Yeah, score. he tucks his own feet underneath the Saracens <laughs> player and starts shouting at the ref. Yeah, penalty, have it. Like that's wasn't impressed by Johnny Hill. Uh, Diving, oh, I didn't see towards, that towards the end. Yeah, I I missed that as well. I, yeah. I was watching it in uh, Walkabout in Glasgow, so uh, the, lots of distractions. Was there, there was, was, there was, a was there much demand for the Premiership final in Walkabout? In, in, in Glasgow? Well, there was no there was no Premiership football on. There was screens. Luton. I suppose there was the Luton. So that, but that was afterwards. Final. Oh right, okay. Um, there are two screens with the football on. The biggest screen was showing the final day of the Bundesliga. With Dortmund of course it was. And, and Bayern. The biggest screen in a Scottish pub was showing German football. Yes, correct. Yeah. And there was uh, a lot of, um, on the, out on the streets, a lot of the uh, Celtic fans, because they they'd had the earlier kickoff, 12.30 kickoff. That Glasgow was absolutely heaving with white and green shirts and flares going off. And really? Really. I mean, 
they they win it every other year historically anyway like it's it's 50% of the time What's they the are going to win by so, the way uh, sorry I'm, I'm almost doing it because you just reminded me I'm, I'm almost I'm, I'm almost doing it by by saying this when I should just say nothing but can we have no talk of any other flares because yes, I, I don't want to give anyone oh, any oxygen no, I want to talk about no no that. I don't want to give anyone yeah. any oxygen no I'll tell you why I want to talk about it I thought it was genuinely scary because I, I was watching that and because it's an orange flare I was like is that a flame like for that split second, I thought that was really quite a frightening scene because I thought I thought watching a terrorist attack. Like it, mm. for that split second, it was like it was the most bizarre thing. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. They're, they're absolute scumbags who don't deserve any attention. Yes, uh, I just wish they got more severely dealt with, like death or something. <laughs> That's what I'd like. Yeah, like uh, people have been sort of par- parading and celebrating a picture of Tom Curry holding yeah. his shorts. It's like no, I, it's not it, cool, is it? No. Well, if no. Tom if Tom Curry had had him by the just one arm carrying the guy off then then I would have liked it yeah I mean if he if he high shotted him that'd be great wouldn't it just right across the chops bang oh dead. can you imagine the temptation uh, no I can't I mean it's quite amazing that those, the fact they restrained themselves who would you most impressed. rather high shot would it be the protester on Saturday or would it be the guy who confronted Billy Vanapola in these shorts <laughs> I would love him to get blindsided wham dead Dead. <laughs> maybe not dead. Maybe not dead. No, no, dead, dead. Instantly no, dead. dead. Instantly dead. Um, on the moments um, during the game, refereeing, um, I thought Luke Pierce, his handling of the penalty try was absolutely spot on. Like, yep. immediately, instant, no need to, yep. No conversation, it. just made the call. And overall, because I, I was watching it without sound, um, didn't hear any of the stuff, the backwards and forwards for the tries, the disallowed I, I, tries. I, one but. of the things I thought I was going to say, uh, I was trying to remember to say on this, mm. and I'm uh, glad you reminded me, was because England aren't going to be in a World Cup final. Luke Pearce is doing everything he can to be the referee yeah. for a World Cup final. Luke I, I think he's outstanding. I, I, and I, I thought think he was he's great. excellent, yeah. I, if, yeah. I, if I was going to be particularly picky, there was a few flops off the feet at Rooks. Yeah. But... I think generally they were of no consequence, which part of me wants you to penalise it when even when there is no consequence, just to be just be better. Just don't like John O'Ross did two really blatant ones that were totally unnecessary. Mm. Lupe's let them go. I, I'm okay with that, but sometimes I think they should be penalised because it's just sloppy. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. It was well, decisive on scrum pens, and yeah. no one seemed to have any issue with it. He, yeah. he got those the, the, the try calls. He, he deferred to his TMO in the right way. Yeah. Fairly, just the way he speaks to the players, I think. He lets, yeah, I, the Premiership's got many problems. One of the problems they don't have is referees. I think the Premiership yeah, referees yeah. are the best the in the best. world. Bonin. The best. Bonin. Mm. So yeah. At least they've got one thing right. <laughs> one thing right. <laughs> Even a stop clock and all that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the why. Let's talk about build ups this game. Because this wound me up somewhat. I mean, it well, really well, wound me okay, up. Okay, well, before you get to a negative, I'll just, because we've, we've got a bunch Egg, of emails. Okay. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. I thought it'd be fair to... Uh, oh, yeah, just one thing. Uh, a few people have uh, pointed this out. Uh, knowing how we love weighing players and play, oh, yes. player oh, yeah. stats, Andrew McNaught being one, and I'll get the name of uh, the others who've done it, and it, Andrew's in Canada. Um, Which part of Canada? Do we know? No, he hasn't given any, any details on that. Generic Canada. Generic Canada. So, okay. like, you know, a huge landmass, so it could be anywhere. Uh, 
He said he was looking at the Saracens' website to try and find the team sheet for Saturday and ended up looking at the squad stats, where Callum Hunter-Hill is listed as 233 kilograms. That's a big man. 233. (laughs) Wow. Goodness me. In fact, they're all in the region of 200 kgs. What? Uh, Yeah, getting up to La Rochelle sizes soon. Uh, I I think, obviously, someone's meant to do pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how much is 233 pounds? It's not a, heavy enough. No, that's not heavy enough for Callum Hunter Hill, is it? No. No, you're right. 250 is about 17. What's yeah, oh. I think someone's just done a one instead of a, uh, done a two, two instead is, of a one. But 133 kg. Yeah, that that is really massive. Yeah. It's not meant to be centimeters for height, is it? 233 was too tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Sam Rowley has also put a screenshot of Jackson Ray's um profile on the website. He had a great game as well. In his last I think one. he's one of the most underrated players the Premiership's seen, actually. And that was a lovely uh, moment when he went off and Luke Pearce, you wouldn't have heard this, but mm. Luke Pearce just ran up to him and said, um, just, well done, Jackson, congratulations, as he walked off. It was just a, a tiny little moment, yeah. but he's like, oh, I love rugby. Mm. Well, we were actually having the conversation in the pub. Um, he might be one of the most important um, Premiership players of all time because mm-hmm. because he's just built... So he can play... Three positions. Yeah, he's just below England level. He's never got, yep. never received a call, and he can cover so well. And he's got a good leadership, great experience. He's a really, really valuable player. So I've even though he's probably not the best. And, and, and before you say anything, I'm just going to say my, the one thing I'll say about Jackson Ray is okay. um, he gave me a pair of his boots. <laughs> I donated them to the rugby dungeon to be put on a shelf, and JB gave them to a. a but, but do you know what? To someone. But do you know what? They're out in the wild playing rugby, <laughs> where they want to be. Where they want to be. You can't, you can't cage boots. Had you, had you said, Tim, do you, mind, do, you mind if he... I, do you mind if I give yep. your boots that Jackson Ray gave you to someone else? I, I, say, I might have said, this yeah, is, this, this is the same Tim Cocker that wanted to take boots off a small child last week because <laughs> he wouldn't wear them. Yes, yeah, fair shout, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, just on the Saracens website, Ali Davis is listed at 194 kg. Jeez, that's a bit... Uh, that's Mike Phillips' size. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, a, that, is, that is like... Late um, stage Piri Whippu. That's like uh, the mountain... Um, Hapthor Bjornsson or Brian Shaw from World's Strongest Man. How, how much does Brian Shaw weigh? I've looked at this recently. He's 200 kg. No, not possible. It is possible. Good. I mean, he's about, he's about 6 foot 10. That's double my size. <laughs> they're, they're unbelievable, the World's Strongest Man size and weight. Do you think he could beat a gorilla? No, he couldn't beat a gorilla. A gorilla would rip his face off. Yeah. Still. Yeah, yeah. Still. A, ch- a chimp would still rip his face <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Shaw has emailed contactedchasers at gmail.com. Very entertaining final. Depth and grit shown by each team was amazing. Uh, he mentions um, Bevan Rod and Theo Dan. Uh, I love Theo Dan at Bolter for the World Cup. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt. Uh, he, yeah, possibly. Very yeah, good player. Third hooker spot. He's, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a fine game. Uh, Malins was class. Farrell was masterfully in control. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Uh, ben Earl on his knees, overcome with emotion at the final whistle, was a lovely moment. Uh, Curry was amazing, even with the yellow card. Agreed on all counts. Yeah, agreed. And the yellow card, exactly the right decision yep. from uh, Luke Pierce. I don't really blame Tom Curry because it's just instinct, but it, it, it's right and he was excellent. Yeah. Um, Lovely in the watch team, running free in the wide channels. 
Ben, mm. Peter, ben Drew, Tom Curry. Uh, Peter's just summarising lots of lovely moments. Uh, Tuolangi was a force of nature. Tuolangi had his a first Tuolangi game. game. Yeah, yeah, he had a great very game. first one. Yeah, he says so. his, his hairstyle still needs help, uh, but picking up his medal with his daughter was a, a, a lovely moment. John O'Ross's interview and post-game hub, hugs was emotional to watch. Yeah, John O'Ross not a man who gives any emotion away. I've Never. interviewed him a number of times, and he not he, even in person off the record. <laughs> no, no emotion, no emotion. <laughs> he also sleeps in a fridge. <laughs> what? Yeah, have you not seen Universal Soldier? Say, <laughs> uh, so had a remarkable year and an amazing foundation to to build on, uh, and that's a true neutral talking. Uh, they've found the right balance of homegrown talent and massive South Africans. Yeah, agreed. You're nailing it. Um, Saracens deserve winners. Uh, URC, what the heck? Oh, so that's going on that. Um, and I just want to make sure I cover off the emails. Daniel Palmer, Saracens are a cut above. How good is Owen Farrell? Um, and he, he just wanted to highlight the crazy dynasty of coaches, past and present, that that organisation has produced. Mm. It started with Brendan Venter, uh, but Eddie Jones, Paul Gustard, Andy Farrell, Alex Sanderson, Steve Borthwick, Richard Wigglesworth, Kelly Brown, and that Joe Shaw is a serious talent as well now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and he says... I'd challenge anyone to argue that Mark McCall isn't the godfather of Northern Hemisphere coaching. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Probably fair. I think we said before on the pod that um, when people have suggested Mark McCall for England um, or Ireland, but well, England Ireland, job, yeah. um, he's probably more valuable to England in the Saracens job because yeah. of the sheer number of both players and coaches Wait, isn't it? it's he's influenced. Of- it's so strange that it's pivoted back to Borthwick. Um, obviously, it's gone to Borthwick now. McCall will always be mentioned. But the guy I always think of, the guy who missed the boat on this completely, I don't know if he ever wanted it, but Rob Baxter. Rob Baxter was a shoo-in for years and years and years and years. To think he's not the England coach now, it's actually crazy considering what he's achieved. Mm. You know? what, what I like about mm. Rob, Rob Baxter is that he he doesn't, he isn't, I'm sure he's a very ambitious man, but he has other motivations and being happy and being around his family and being around his his uh being around, being around Devon seems to be very very close to his heart and well, I, and also he he has said he doesn't know if he'd want the politics all the politics <laughs> that you'd have to and deal with. Yeah, there's quite a lot of it. Um <laughs> yeah, I agree with all those points actually. I was going to say there's ambition isn't there when you just sort of you climb your way in the quickest possible manner to where you want to be. And there's another type of ambition where you grind it out and you actually achieve it with the club that you want to, which is what mm. he's done. Do you know, which is why I think he's more valu- valuable. But you know, it might, it, he might not suit the England job. You don't know. Mm. And finally, a uh, final email from the time being is one that's just arrived. He must know that we're getting together to record. <laughs> uh, Dato Sandrosvili oh, yeah. uh, has just uh, sent a, a picture of a Negroni and uh, and... Just simply with the subject title to your health. Huh. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much. You. So, you, bank- so you wanted to say about the the, get, the build up to the game and all that? <sighs> the build up to the game. I mean, the Premiership was just such an incompetent organisation. There was a real. I want to talk about the Stephen Jones article which he wrote today because it's brilliant. I thought he hit all the key points on the on on the Premiership and gave quite a balanced argument. So maybe read that later in accompaniment to, to, to this podcast. I'd just like to say, in the build-up to Premiership, what do we have here? We've got two phenomenal teams. If Maratoji is telling you 
and he must have told someone in the press for you to hear it, Tim, that this is the best coach team he's ever been part Said of. Said on VT Sport after the game. Mm. Right, okay. Like, these are things we need to be talking about, right? Sale have got the most physically abrasive pack um, in, the, in the Premiership, bar none. They're absolute mutants. Uh, they're coached by a northerner. That northerner used to be part, part, of, part of Saracens. Saracens have got this incredible redemption arc where they got to the final last year, they lost, but they've come from the championship. Uh, they've got all the cheating behind them now, fair or unfair. They've finally got back to, back, back to the summit. These are things worth talking about. And yet all the, premi- all the premiership can do is talk about colourblind fans. Uh, uh, it blows my mind how incompetent these idiots are. And furthermore, they were giving away tickets to their showpiece event prior to the game. So I, I don't know if you saw this. We were sent a link. And the link basically used the NHS blue light system. It's not blue light, but anyone who works in emergency services could get a ticket for the Premiership final for free. You didn't have to verify that you were nope. that type of interview. Anyone could do so, it. So uh, people are saying, oh, well, they're not giving it away. It's, the, it's part of the blue light scheme. And I know I'm not allowed to criticise individuals exactly, but the ex-head of Premiership comms, thank God he's the ex-head, because he has done more to undermine the sport than anyone I mean, God knows how much they they used to pay him to undermine the sport. It's like, we're so proud of this. How can you be proud of giving away tickets? Because I get it if they're saying, look, you work for the NHS. You can have 10% off entrance to Twickenham. That seems fair to me. That seems like a reasonable thing. But to give away tickets and to be proud of it, how can you be proud of giving away things to your showpiece event? And aren't you just saying, like... Hey, if you're a fan and you've supported this team all year long and you've dug deep into your pocket, and maybe you can't quite afford it because of cost of living and all the rest of it, but you don't have the right social job for the ex-head of Premiership comms or whoever it is, you're not as worthwhile because, as I don't know, the NHS secretary. It's absolute nonsense. Premiership rugby are just so all over the place with everything that they do. And they have the nerve to try and defend it. Like, we're proud of what we're doing. They should be utterly ashamed. Utterly ashamed. I I think the... It, I was just thinking of uh, would anyone else do this and the the NFL for the Super Bowl will always have like a little pocket a little token yeah. a little token pocket of people that get from whether it's military or but pick them you know you emergency services and they, they have a little pocket that they then highlight before the game yeah a very very American thing to do I think the difference was that this felt like and this is where I agree with you this felt to me like Oh shit! We've got we we have got acres of Twickenham empty. Let's give some away um, because it was given away on a on an un, every, every, when you looked at the options you had to buy tickets in. It looked like it was being done on a massive scale. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was right across the board. I, but I, I I think my I think it is more that side of things. It's Twickenham. If anything in an empty stadium. Looks awful. Yeah, There's dreadful. dreadful visuals. They just wanted to fill the stadium, and they don't have the luxury of the Super Bowl. If it was in a five hundred thousand seat stadium, They're which doesn't kind of, exist, they, they would still be, not I, have enough tickets. I guess the uh, issue I have with that, again, living in Manchester, is any Sale Sharks fan that went down, uh, if, if they might have got a slightly cheaper tickets if they bought their ticket at the start of the season and speculated on just having a day out and hoping their team were there. Um, that's where the cheap tickets went for people that just do, do it as a day out regardless, which I, I used to do when I was a kid. Yep. Newby Rugby Club used to send mm. a couple, couple of busloads of people every year to mm. the Pil- Pilkington Cup final, it wasn't mm. it? Anyway. Um, but 
there was Sale Sharks fans spending a hundred quid, Saracens fans spending a hundred. My neighbour went right. So my neighbour on Saturday morning saw me. Oh, you going on t- to Twickenham? And I sheepishly said, All right, "No, no, I'm not." Um, but like hundred quid train, you know, accommodation o- overnight. Ho- We're talking. It's a big outlet. Beers in Twickenham. That's the bit where. But if you're the receptionist or a delivery driver in in. In fact, well, anyone in well, the NHS, you get for two quid. Well, you didn't need to verify that either. But the tickets were, like, I went on without that link. Yeah. And the tickets were just 15 quid. So Some of them t- were, but they went to eight. But just the oh, yeah, yeah, but the, if Just if 10% you could, off is fine. But the... It, but, but so close to an, but my point being is so close to an event to make so many tickets available either free or heavily discounted when you have people that have spent hundreds yeah. and it's not just for to follow game. their team yeah and it's not just one game is it it'll be the season ticket that they've bought it'll be the way tickets that they've bought it'll be all these things but you have to pay full price because you're not the right type of person for the, for, for the premiership and that really annoys me that should annoy anyone really yeah so in trying to deal with the optics of having a stadium that looked uh, my sister uh, and my, my, my dad and um, my stepmom went, and they yeah. were, they wouldn't have gone other uh, if it wasn't for these particular tickets. Yeah. Um, so it worked. From yeah, that, yeah, it worked from that point of view. So, so, but to counter the optics of having a heavily empty Twickenham Stadium, they, I, I just think that the optics in, un, the in other ways would. I'd be really hacked off if I if I spent hundreds of pounds to take my family. Isn't down. the answer not to give away lots of pe- lots of tickets to people that you think are socially worthy? Um, as you know, ex Premiership uh, head of comms thinks, but um, just set the ticket price so you can generate enough demand for everybody. I mean, that it well, sounds. I think that's what they tried because there were so many fifteen pound ones or mm. available, so they they had tried to do that, but evidently just keep 15, going lower. Fifteen pound, keep going lower. Fifteen pound. Had it been Northampton v Leicester, it wouldn't have. They wouldn't have done. They wouldn't have no, done no, this. Not to the scale. No, no, agreed. not to the scale they did. But, yeah. but it did it, with the sunshine, with a nearly full Twickenham, it did look ace. So I had yeah, a really fantastic. interesting bit of bit of thinking, I guess you'd call it. Like we were in the NBA today, and they were saying this person was saying who com- not commentates but is a pundit on, MB- on the NBA, which is you can tell a sport is in trouble when there's more value in the teams than there is than there is in the sport. So they had some of the highest ratings for an NBA game in a long time, which was the Warriors versus. I think the Lakers, I think. The reason is they're two of the biggest um, big, big, biggest market teams. Mm-hmm. And the argument was, well, once that's over, there'll be no more ratings because the interest is, is in teams and not the sport. Mm-hmm. I would say Premiership Rugby needs to have a hard look at itself because the actual brand of the Premiership, as much as I've loved it for years, is non-existent. There are fans of teams, which is why Leicester and Northampton could fill it out. But as fans of the actual event, it's non-existent. Like, it just did not show up on anyone's radar. Because the sport has been so badly mismanaged, so there is still a hardcore well, well, fan base. There's an argument that rugby was ever thus, like two uh, two thousand and what World Cup was it when we first started doing the podcast? It uh, was. Um, or it was. What, it was. One, it wasn't that we back ourselves at home. One. It was one before that. No, it can't well, we have been. It can't have been twenty. Yeah, it can't it have been twenty thirteen. Sort of. Oh, maybe it was. We always back ourselves at home. Hey, mate, mate, no, that's no, twenty fifteen. Yeah. maybe I was just talking about something that happened historically, not not something that actually happened on the pod. It might have been two thousand and seven. It might have been two thousand and eleven. Where was two thousand and eleven? New Austria? Zealand. New Zealand. Maybe it was that. I, I, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Point being is, I've I've had a conversation about. It was obviously after I, after I moved to Manchester, so it could have been two thousand and eleven. But um, trying to find somewhere in Manchester to watch mm. a World Cup quarter final and I had to watch it on a very small like 20 inch screen 
upstairs in walkabout whilst Vanarama football <laughs> was on the massive screen. Yeah, it's true. So rugby's always had that issue, really. That's it not, has, not new. But it should. I mean, there are plenty of blueprints out there. I mean, you don't have to go far to find other sports doing good things. Um, you don't even have to go far in rugby union. I've got to say, and it hurts my heart to say it. It, it sincerely hurts me. The URC are making strides. Whoever's in charge there, they seem to be doing some good things. There are some really unique things on the coverage, the way they talk about the game. And I don't enjoy saying that. But the URC is producing a, a better product now than the Premiership. And that's really, really disturbing. You've not really watched any URC, mate. I've seen <laughs> a lot of the playoffs and I've been massively impressed. Mm-hmm. Massively well, impressed. Well, I think if you watch the playoffs of any competition, you'd say that's... But I'll, I'll give you an example, right? I'll give you an example. And, and if you just... if Sorry, if you were like a casual rugby fan and you just tuned in to, yeah. to BT Sport or ITV yesterday, you would have thought, that looks great. Oh, I don't have much of an issue with the... Well, I have a huge issue with some of the BT Sport coverage. Um, but the actual in-game... Coverage, the way that the comms team handle it, the, the production of BT Sport is top-notch. I, I, do, I, I think it's better than the URC equivalent. I'll give you an example of something like URC are doing now. Dion Ferry's stats came up, and he's got an overall player value for the entire league. As I, I don't know how that's, um, how, how that's done, but I love the fact that they're thinking about that. And they've got a defence value for him, an attack value, a skill value, and then his overall value. And it's just, a, I, don't know, I don't know how they've come to that, but it's just a cool thing to make you think, oh, Christ, that's, that's good. Now, the more information that they can give you, the better. And mm. at least they're thinking of things. I've not seen anything like that from the Premiership because they're too busy trying to keep their head above water. I, I do stuff like that. I I've not, didn't see that, but stuff like that would annoy me. Uh, yeah. Unless it's, I'd, I'd like to see what it actually means. Yeah. I, I want real stats. I don't but want someone's yeah. opinion and, on and, fake and stats. Call but me you've got to, call, go I'm, I work in broadcasting, but fundamentally, you can have all the whiz-bang, gizmos, stats, clever things you want, but it's how good how good are the games? Yeah, mm. well, glad you asked, because the URC final was phenomenal. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Did, 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 did you watch this? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I mean... I thought the way Munster went around went about their business. I, I tell you what, I've not noticed what Munster before because I've not watched them much. So I'll put my hands up. If this is what they've been doing all year, I've just I've, I've just missed it. But the fluidity of the movement of the ball when it's an open play is ridiculously good. The angles that those boys cut, the way that they sort of pull the ball back. I mean, it is fundamentally the same as what every team does, but it's better. And they just do it over and over again. The pressure that they can create from possession is really impressive well and it's all built on, on the fact and i think first and foremost what you get with munster and this is it's always been there to, for munster and it's always going to be there be there in a team with peter Armani in it but certainly graham roundtree has ju- a belligerent team aren't they there is a weird sense of pride when you watch munster now i really desperately wanted him to i've never liked munster never liked <laughs> munster in my life i just couldn't help admiring them the way the way that they play um who's the hooker he had a Baron. Great, Baron had a great game. The the seven Hodnett had an ace game. Yeah, uh, I, I like the the winger Nash. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it Nash or Nash? Nash, I think. I'm, Nash. I, Nash, I was watching Nash, without Nash. without sound, but Nash. Let's say yeah. Nash. Nash, uh, Nash. If you just watch this one game in isolation, and I, I, obviously I haven't watched. You think you'd be watching the URC. The, the URC champions? No. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say was then, th- just based purely on that eighty minutes. And being real um, uh, knee-jerk, Jack Crowley is the best fly-half <laughs> other than Johnny Sexton. He's bloody good, isn't he? He was outstanding. But I don't, I don't think he's played much 
fly half. I, I don't know. But uh, by the way, when did um, Mike Haley become like a crash ball eight? I don't know when that happened. <laughs> but he was smashing into contact. But I've, I've seen Mike Haley play a lot, and I don't remember him doing that ever, ever. Oh, he's Graham Roundtree getting the best out of the boys. Yeah, friend of the pod, Graham Rountree. Yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a win that to go it's over to South Africa. Awesome win. Keith, what win. a story! Keith Earl's last title was twelve years ago. Was it really? Mm. He's just won another one. Fair play, Crikey! So yeah. he won his title one year after he played for the Lions. Good quick maths. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, the other thing I'd say as well is maybe two years. The Lions. Twelve. Oh yeah, but yeah, because the Lions were a year late. Were they? No, uh, the Lions on time. Tw- Twelve years ago, would be two thousand and eleven. The yeah. Lions would have been two thousand and nine. Oh, they on. Uh, so. do, do you think all those? <laughs> do you think all those Stormers? <laughs> Close, quick maths. Uh, do you think all those Stormers fans and players were uh, regretting? Because we said it last week. You want to be careful if Peter Armani sees that video of them all celebrating that Munster beat <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> 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 Easiest scene to uh, fair play. So Munster when they had to go away to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. They had to go away to Leinster. Yeah, and they've then. Not so, a, a fast turnaround to get to Cape Town. That's a great point. It's really that really is remarkable. Impre- really impressive. You also, you've got a Munster shirt just right above your head, Phil. Yeah, yeah. the uh, Quinlan. It was the, it was it was the shirt that that guy was wearing when he went on, ran on to take <laughs> <Yeah>. the photo, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, first time I've ever really supported or wanted Munster to win anything. I didn't even want. I turned on the TV as a solid Stormers fan. Stormers, <laughs> yeah, Stormers, Stormers. Um, you were like the Russian crowd in Rocky Four. Yeah, by, by that's the end, exactly what I was like. By the end exactly of what I was like. For, for the like come on, Storms. Let's, let's give an absolute beating. And the more I watched them, I thought, God, this is a good team. Um, I have mentioned this before, and I got roundly criticised for it. But I was watching Vand... Uh, Mal, Malherb and Kitson play. And like, obviously, they're an incredible set of names. They didn't do much. I mean, I said this about Malherb mm. before. I thought he looked overweight. I thought he looked sluggish around the park. And everyone said, no, JB, you need to watch more of him. Well, I've, I've seen him in a couple of games now. And I really watched him this game. And they just didn't really do any damage to a Munster scrum, which, let's be honest, they're not full of big names. It's not the Irish front row that they're up against. No. Well, you say that. And what, what I, I think last week's Champions Cup final, if I were Franz Malherb, Watching that, I'd be, I would just been, getting, I couldn't wait to play against Andrew Porter. So yeah. mate, was it Dave Kilcoyne? No, Archer no. and Archer was the tight end. Baron was the hooker, and Lofman, Lauman. Oh, yeah, Lofman. Yeah, Lofman. Lofman. So, I, you know, I mean, that's not, that isn't the Irish front row as no, we know. No, no. Maybe, maybe they should no, be in a shot. May, maybe they should think about. Yeah, because Porter's amazing at what he does, but uh, yeah, he, he, he looked like he could be a potential weak link. I'll tell you the player that I was disappointed with. So I was talking, when the game started, some of the guys around me, I was saying, watch the 10, watch the Stormers 10, Libok. Libok. He mm. is class. However many minutes in, he gets the intercept, brilliant, I told you, See, told, told you. you, and then he, I don't think he had his best game. No. He, there was quite a few errors. Well, I wonder if... Stormers or that classic team which have got so much talent because they do have a lot of talent that they're just not that focused on game plan and coaching and they just think well if we have the ball we'll eventually score no but Hodna, Omani, Coombs just all uh, yeah, but they're I think all over them yeah mm. I mean that's one element of the game I mean I thought a really important element of this game was there was a defensive stand by Munster so Munster are all over Stormers they've sort of kept them out scores are something like six I don't know it's like five 
seven five or something like, like, like that, right in the first half. Mm. And Stormers get the ball. I'm thinking, right, if Stormers score here, they've weathered all of the Munster attack, and now they're going to score, and this is going to be devastating. Munster really stood up to that. So there is that element, you know, like you were saying, with, with those boys who are just absolute dogs. But I think it's the other side of the ball, on the attacking side, where they showed exactly how good and how well coached they are. I didn't see any of that from Stormers. Um, I'll tell you the other guy who I just... I, they're going to miss him. I mean, they're not going to miss him because they don't like him that much. I'm sure the fans don't like him that much, but I love him. Is Fakatoa. Obviously, he's off to Benetton next year. But he was putting in some shots. I mean, mm. he nearly killed D- D- Dion Ferry. That's what <laughs> rugby's all about. Like, that is what rugby's about. He nearly killed a man in front of us. He's just such a hard physical specimen. And, mm. you know, this is a guy who never used to be a hard physical specimen. I mean, he might have been, but he could yeah, run. I think, he, I think he probably always was. It's just we probably saw more of the flashy stuff that he did yeah. earlier in his career. Mm. I mean, you know, get rid of the flashy stuff. No one wants to see it. All we want to <laughs> see is him absolutely leathering blokes. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, on YouTube, the which has had more views in the last 24 hours, the Premiership final or the URC final? URC by a million, a million times. Times a million. On the official channels. So... The top two, so Premiership and BT Sport versus um, URC and Via Via Sports. I've got to say it's URC because of South African interest. Via Play Sports. Yeah, I, I would have. My gut feeling would be because actually South Africa's a, 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 number one sport is rugby. And actually, it will be. Menzo must have a huge footprint of fans. Geographically, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have an enormous. Yeah, it, there, there was um, some monster men in the. Uh, the Glasgow pub. Of course there was. That, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for the South African audience. It'll be the URC final. So Premiership is... And also Misery Loves Company. Like I've noticed this from doing YouTube a little bit. You get way more views and interest when, um, say for example, when England got pumped by France. Yeah, yeah. Way more interest than when England cruised to a win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Premiership on the, across those two is 86,000. I think the URC got 200,000 plus. Uh, they're 146,000 so they're, they're 60,000 yeah. as it currently stands small numbers on it, both both. yeah neither of them are enormous are they no but yeah currently URC but then URC is uh, the uh, population of the markets that it operates in are mm. considerably bigger well I think for URC having a South Africa Ireland final is probably the best outcome for their viewership but yeah, yeah, I bet the best agreed. the best measure of it, and this is what we've got. You know, FA Cup final, Champions League final coming up. The measure of a sport, as you say, is the fact that lots of fans of not those two, uh, not yeah. the two clubs, will watch those events. Someone will ask me between now and the Champions League final. Do you want to watch Champions League final? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. 
Learn more at byheart.com. Yes. Mm. They won't care about who the teams are. They say, do you want to watch Champions, Champions, Champions League final? Yeah, yeah. It would be the same, whoever the teams were. Yeah. Whereas uh, rugby, as I think you're, it's a really good observation. I don't think rugby's there right now. Well, it, it has it, been in the past. And for total rugby noises like us, it is. Yeah. Well, in, in, a, in a rugby city, Glasgow, um, as in, they, it is a football city, but yeah. they have a professional rugby team. Yeah. Two of 20 televisions in Walkabout were showing the, the rugby. And maybe, maybe... Even the URC rugby that Glasgow were a part of that yeah, competition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Only two yeah. were, were showing it. Because the, the, the bigger draw during the um, premiership was the German league football mm-hmm. and the biggest draw after it was the championship player yeah. Luton versus Coventry yeah I mean God, rugby, 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 rugby. so just going back to the premiership like how do we how do we solve rugby's problems and the answer is well first of all we fire everybody I mean that that is <laughs> that's the first thing including the current guys I mean uh, I, I recommend reading Stephen Jones's thing today because he does summarize this well and one of the things he does say in this is like the, the current premiership hierarchy do have some brains between them because a lot of people have left and there's not a lot of new people in. So, you know, maybe wait, but they're still from the same cohort of individuals. You well, know what I mean? I, I kind of don't put it down to individuals as much as the system w- in which those individuals operate. I, yeah. think, I think if you or I, um, I mean, some people would argue that would just make it worse, obviously. But we obviously <laughs> think we have some ideas that could could shake. But they're it up. not even hard ideas. Are they? No, no, they're not. Some of them, are, some of them are very simple. However, the system within which rug- Premiership rugby certainly operates, and rugby generally, actually, are not conducive to any individual good idea actually making it to the surface. But because because there are this group over here have yeah, have a say. Like, this group over here have a say. It's a real um, horizontal yeah, leadership talking, structure, right? and I'm nothing not, gets done. I'm not even talking about like systemic change I'm not talking about rearranging the calendar or moving games or anything like that we'll come to that stuff in a second I just mean where does rugby fit in in, in the in sporting la- landscape and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face it is unique because of the unique qualities it has even within sport of confrontation physicality strength yada 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 and we're talking about colourblind fans Jesus Christ and boys. I tell you and I tell you like, what that's not coming from the club I'm seeing this more and more and I've got a teenage well I've got a teenage son and daughter um, but I am seeing a, a a hunger for and for some traditional values risk and, and young la- I'm telling you Louis and his and his mates they are they're they're getting a buzz off of traditional things like, like they're all going to the gym yep and this is this is teenage boys generally, and it may well be the Instagram thing, perhaps I know, but they're 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 going to the gym. Yes, they're more tactile and more emotionally um, attuned than we were in previous generations and stuff, and they're more into the other things they're into. But there's a, there's there's a gap there, and yeah. a gap which rugby would fill. fill and I think yeah, a yeah. lot of there's a lot of parents for all the for all the stuff that rugby does to try and not scare some people away. It will attract so many exactly. more people if it plays to. Honor, um, stoicism, st- uh, strength, physicality, discipline, discipline yeah. all of those teamwork. values. Teamwork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I think teamwork is the only thing they're allowed to talk about now. But um, another thing Stephen Jones said in his article was, um, yeah, and this is something which rugby authorities say as well, and it makes me want to just rage. Uh, yeah, well, because of the competition of other things people can do on a weekend, um, 
they might not play rugby. To which I reply, well, stop making rugby, stop making or stop trying to make rugby into something similar to everything else that they can do on a weekend, make it stand out alone. And I mean, what else has those... What else has those things? Well, is it shopping in Zara? Well, is just, it going? I is it going bowling? I mean, what is? It's principles is it, of being a, a salesperson. If you were trying to sell rugby, yeah, which is ultimately what we have to do. If you were trying to sell, you have to either create urgency, some scarcity, or we've only got so many spots, but that's not going to work because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the numbers are down. But um, so you've you've got to um, you've got to solve a problem. You've, you, that's how you sell rugby. You, you've got to find the problem that rugby can be the solution for. And I would say, if you've got lads that are, if if you've got, and I'm saying lads, obviously, uh, I'm I totally invite women and Let's girls to lads. play rugby. But let me just say lads for a second. If you if you sold rugby on like this, and you said, do you have a do you have a son who you get a bit concerned that they're spending loads of time on their computer, and you just want them to get outside? Do you also want them to socialise not only online through Discord and stuff, but you want them to actually get out there and chat to lads? And do you want? Do you want a nice place that you can go and meet some other parents from the local area and have a coffee with? Come to, go to your local rugby club. <laughs> yeah, simple. So, simple. It's so easy, right? Yeah, just a bit of discipline, just all, all those things. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's maddening to watch these people who don't know what they're doing control our sport. Maddening. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Enough of that. Any other, did, it, did either of you see... Uh, any of the barbarians? Yeah, I saw a bit. I, saw a bit. I, I don't watch. I no longer watch performative fake rugby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, it's it was, not interesting. It was pretty cool to see that. That just the backline of the World Fifteen is might be one of the great. It's like eleven to fifteen. I don't even know who who, who played. It was. Um, let me think of the names. It was Semi Randrandra was twelve. Overrated. Uh, hold on, <laughs> I'll, I'll get a it. classic barbarian. If ever. Laumapian. Laumapian at twelve. Randrandra. Why is he a barbarian? Like, what skills does he have to be a barbarian? Uh, no, this is the. Like, he's this, a real this world. This is the world. This, <laughs> this is the world. Sorry, yeah, the yeah world he shouldn't. Be, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be in performative rugby. Like that is that's a beast that you cage up until you need it. <laughs> uh, what have you got? The back line there. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Laumapian Randrandra is the world with. Nkosi, Falau, and Sir Charles. Falau? Falau. Yeah. Israel Falau? Israel yeah. Falau. Why did I not watch this? He was awesome. He, <laughs> oh, he, I'd have watched this if I'd have known. He was scored awesome. A tri- scored a try. Oh, I've got my Israel Falau jersey on. <laughs> he is awesome. So, the, yeah, the... the where, 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 where is... Unko- where? Yeah, Nkosi, 11 to 15, Nkosi, Laumapi, Randrandra, Falau, Piatau. Sir wow. Just awesome. Okay, I'm so in now. Sorry. Take it all back. This sounds like a great game. Just right. So it, it was a really good game. There were some amazing players. Um, front page of BBC Rugby Union. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Guess. Here we go. Uh, is it? Is it something to do with the Premier Fifteens? No, it's it's connected to this game. Oh, was it? But oh, 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 homophobic 15th. rugby player straps on. I don't know boots. Falau booed as Jones's barbarian beat World Fifteen. Well, not not universally because he's been ri- widely celebrated here. Well, he's he's an amazing rugby player. That's one of the best yeah, players yeah. Ever, ever to set foot on the field. Yeah, uh, and that's all I would say about him today. That, that, well, that's all we need to say because yeah. do you know what? We only look at him as a rugby player. If you want, if you want ma- ma- moral guidance, don't go see rugby players. It's not a great idea. <laughs> it's really not a great idea. It's not a great idea. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, is that what the BBC let, let off with? Scumbags. That's the first story. Absolute uh, the scumbags. The first two words on the top story in Rugby Union after this, so, this weekend, Falau booed. So uh, how many people went to watch that game? Like 40,000 maybe, 30,000? Yeah, about that. So they just need to find a couple of people that booed. I mean, how about the people that cheered? Why don't they say, 
Falau cheered on his return to Twickenham. Who wrote well, that? I, so I don't know whether he was... I mean, it's, it, it, it happened. He, he was yeah, being, but he was also cheered. Yes. I mean, if I was that, I would, I would cheer him. <laughs> some, some fans indifferent to Falau. Why didn't they write that? <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that that's the, the lead story and the thread of the content of the story of a rugby how about, uh, is, um, is, How about... Yeah. Uh, um, Radranda, was he booed or was he cheered? Did, does the BBC... Play? I imagine he was cheered for his beard. Yeah. Why, why don't they leave it that? Radranda cheered, but some fans didn't like him. <laughs> Radranda considered slightly overpaid by the fans. Like, it's just <laughs> such a terrible story by awful journalists. They don't, even, they don't even deserve to be called journalists, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what did we learn from that? T- are you going to the Rugby Writers uh, No, it was, it was last Thursday. Was it? Uh, I've got some pictures from the Rugby Writers dinner from... Some, from from some friends of mine, and let me assure you, it's not something I would like to have attended. <laughs> I've had a good time there in the past. I wasn't invited, but there you go. Ooh. I was invited. You, th- you think I might? You think I might be? But uh, we're, we're, you know, working I, on the the host broadcaster for the Premiership, and um, well, I was invited on to three different tables, mate. So well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a man of influence, and I, t- I, I would have liked to have gone. Actually, if I would have made it work in my diary. I would. I might have gone. Nah, getting, <laughs> getting some savage arguments. <laughs> no, that's you, the- you, it would be. A lot easier to burn every bridge from yeah in, in person fr- in person it'd be so yeah. much easier yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if that is your objective please go to that and do it there not using this podcast as a vehicle that'd be great or our combined Twitter account yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, trying try, try to be positive trying to be positive it was yeah it was a great game it was, it was really good tries um, but like you say it's, it's not the sort of game where you're going to go that person stood, like Adam Radwan scored a try but you're not going oh wow look he's got being Adam Radwan's been let go by Newcastle hasn't he he's not leaving have I made that up I don't think so no I thought he was on a list of players that have left no there was a big list of players he that I saw but I didn't think he was on there he wasn't on it it was uh, Sean Robinson Carl Ferns Mickey Young uh, Mickey Young and a, and a bunch of other less um, high profile players um, but okay let's talk about London Irish I, do, yeah, so what, what do you understand then? What, what do you know it's over <laughs> it's simply over I, the, the American buyers are not coming forward because there's anybody. still talk from some quarters saying oh no it's going to happen it's happening still it's just an issue well what could the issue possibly be you've got the money you've not got the money like I can't see what the issue would be so in my mind it's over and for once I think the RFU are making the right decision saying look you haven't got the funds in place it's over you need to show us the funds now they've been rattled haven't they because of the debacle by Worcester and um, Wasps. Wasps I'm looking at this from a different angle now and call me cynical, but so be it. If I was going to cheat the salary cap, this is the year to do it. This is the year to do it. You do it now. The reason you do it now is because the Premiership are desperate. They're down to the last 10 teams. Going to nine teams would be the death knell in the league. If you're going to get the other owners to sweep to sweep something under the carpet... Well, well they'd, they'd, fine you, they'd fine you loads, but, they, they, but there is no relegation. So. Well, I just say, look, you're fine. We're leaving. Like, so if you don't want the salary cap, right... It's kind of, do you know when you've got a minority government and a couple of rebels can, not a minority, a small, a slim majority, mm-hmm. and a couple of rebels can derail everything. Right now, any club that wants to do anything they want within, within the laws can do it because each of the clubs is so powerful. Because this league is absolutely on the brink. They can't go below 10 teams. Imagine going below 10 teams. Mm. They can't kick anyone out because no one, now Wasps don't really exist now. So it's not like they can just bring Wasps back. Worcester don't exist. So what would they do, say, to a team which roundly hates the Premiership because they've been disrespected by them at every time in 
uh, Ealing. Uh, do you want to come come, come to Premiership? Do you know if if I were the chairman of or owner of Jersey, I might just roll the dice on a legal case because because we've seen it before, haven't we? That when anyone's tested the restriction, the restriction of trade, when mm. anyone, when anyone's actually tested that in a court, it has not gone well for for the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not legal mind. I mean, it's a bit late now. Although, anyway. although I have got a recent win over a barrister, which which does um, <laughs> massively fill my heart with joy. Um, yeah, I if I was Jersey, I'm not saying they should or will, but no, I'm, yeah, I'm, ju- yeah, I'm just yeah. actually going. I, I, I guess the point is they probably should feel more aggrieved than anyone. So if I was Jersey, I would just hang fire. Yeah, so do what you're doing because you're doing it great. And stay in the championship because you don't have this awful CVC deal. I've said it before. Other teams are going to end up folding. And do you think so? So right, okay, yeah, well, that's, that's what I want to summarise. So you you think Irish are done? I'm hoping for an eleventh hour rescue. I'm really fearful that you're correct. Yeah. But, we'll, but I, I hope I'm wrong. But what other clubs? Just, just as we look across the Newcastle. Premiership, the Newcastle are at least cutting their cloth yeah. to suit. So they they will they might even if they if they do it right they might even be profitable. In the coming years, <laughs> yeah. because they are cutting, I'm looking at the list of released players. There's about 15 yep. re- released players, including academy guys. Um, yeah. So some of whom, like uh, Mully Polar or Carl Ferns, will be some of their best paid players. Yep, Mully Polar particularly. Um, uh, and then Exeter, we've heard are, are a bit wobbly. Yep. Um, Bristol are fine because as long as Steve Lansdowne is there, Bath are fine. No worries. Northampton seem okay and actually yep. a really well-run club. Leicester would sell if there was a buyer. So there's obviously yeah, yeah, a yeah. shortfall there, despite the big stand and the big crowd, which is the most... That's the one that concerns me the most. Yep. Yeah. The fact that Leicester is struggling. Sale, Simon Orange just came out and was very honest about the sums that they've had to sink. Him and Jed Mason have had mm. to sink into the club. When did he say this? Uh, last week in an article. What did he say? He, said, he, said, he basically said, uh, uh, anyone, an owner of a premiership needs to be willing to sink three hundred million pounds in I think he was, he's talking over the lifespan of it he's not wrong but it's when he when he broke down the numbers it's million oh was he talking about the league in he's talking about the, uh, the overall the, league is that the overall yeah. league I was going to say league, yeah. sale most most of the clubs yeah. lose a million to two million pounds a year yeah right? your net worth this is from what I've heard from some owners needs to be around hundred million to yeah, yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's you, a lot of money. You've got to not mind losing yep. a couple of million pounds a year, but yeah, you'll get addicted. You've got to like it enough to not mind losing a couple of million pounds mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. So let's just think think this through. So will and the Irish hang about? The answer is no because they don't. One of the most remarkable things about this whole thing is watching a professional sports team think. Sorry, sports league wants to shrink. I mean, this is where we are. When the answer to your problem is one of the worst answers possible, which is shrinking your product. Mm. I mean, I've said this last week. It's a real indictment of where they are. So, okay. If I, was, if I was the URC, I'd be just waiting for yeah, yeah. Tuesday to go, come on. You say, you say mm. the clubs have got the most leverage at the moment. US, URC, anyone who wants L- to... London Irish input. makes so much sense. The massive diaspora yeah. of Irish, of um, Scots and Welsh and South African... Italian even in London, yeah, yeah, that'd be dynamite. It could be good, couldn't it? Yeah, it's, it should be it's a great point. That the amount of just in Munster fans who live in London, yep, you could probably I mean, sell half the, the tickets uh, every week. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is a stumbling block. Maybe the stumbling block for the American takeover is 
we want you out the we want you out the Premiership. We want the CVC deal deal gone, and then we'll take on the CVC deal that uh, the, they want an extra. You, yeah, you have got. Yeah, but uh, yeah. well, because you could do that by letting them fail and then buying the IP. The which speculative is cheaper than buying the, the yeah. club itself. The speculative journalism is the, the, so. There's um, what was that name? The Baltimore Ravens uh, linebacker. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, yeah, he, uh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. He he's part of the consortium that purchased it, and was part of the talk is that the reason they want London Irish is nothing to do with the rugby. They want Hazelwood because it will be the base for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, London franchise potentially. Mm. Well, I mean that would be a very interesting high performance centre, wouldn't it? Having two mm-hmm. two types of contact sport operating out of there. I mean that's a very very interesting proposition. Mm. Very interesting proposition. I mean. I think we've seen it once before when we Harlequins had a rugby league team coming out of the same facility mm. as Well that Steven place team. has been used when there's the London Wembley games uh, Hazelwood is regularly used by NFL teams mm. Yeah So Premiership goes down Yeah so the Premiership doesn't want 11 teams so they're not willing to budge at all to help London Irish neither are the RFU and people should remember this when London Irish go it's not planned, I don't think, but they're just waiting for the first, like the first one to fail. Then you're left with the Premiership, and you think, well, okay. So how do the teams negotiate this? Because in the twenty four twenty five season, they've got an extra god knows how much of expenditure. So the only good thing about the Premiership, other than referees, is the competitiveness of of the league. Well, next year, we've not really got ten teams. We've got nine teams plus Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So Newcastle is going to be a bit of a dead rubber fixture. Year after that. Who's going to spend up to the salary cap? Because we might ne- we might then have a ten team league with the the rugby equivalent of well not the rugby equivalent the Premiership equivalent of the Dragons at the bottom. But we might have three or four dra- like Dragons teams. But uh, and conversely, you'll have Bristol spending six and a half million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I think it's basically with all the dispensations and everything that comes into it and all the credits and stuff, it's basically eight and a half million. So you've actually undone all the good work that you previously had with with with, with the salary cap. Uh, so you have a load of dead rubber games. You have less games, um, which are interesting to TV. Less fans showing up because why do you show up to uncompetitive games? And at the end of the season, who cares what happens at the bo- bo- bottom of the table? And no sign of a quota of English players, so no. it, so it does its job for the national but, team. I know there are credits, but there's no like, hard. You must have. Well, I don't think we need to worry about that because I can't imagine many people travelling. I mean, maybe, maybe the top teams who've got some cash. The upside of this, of course, is lots of players will be available for the championship. So you're going to have these championship sides which are going to be stronger than ever before just because there's going to be more players. Mm. And that's quite exciting. And they don't have the restrictions that they've got. I mean, if the championship could get their act together, they have got one hell of a... I mean, they might even be in a situation where they could become the top league because if it's ring fence, they're not part of the... No, I don't think it is. I think that one, one one of the issues for the championship is that they have repeatedly year after year after year after year had their money cut uh, to the point that the premiership effectively operates like a cartel where mm. you you would have to be Steve Lansdowne to get a team to the premiership have so much money that you can absorb the massive disparity in uh, p-share funding in um, parachute payments and all 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 of these benefits which the, the, shareholders, the shareholders' premiership gets. So what I was going to say. So, so what I was going to say is these pre- these championship clubs are so desperate that because they're they've just been <laughs> their money's been cut, 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 cut. I understand what you're saying about growing something, but they're in a place where the second the premiership opens the door and says, "Right, we're going to have a two 
the two 10 team leagues uh, Premiership A, Premiership B, you're in, and then you're in our rules. Well, here's that what they're going to say yes. Yeah, well, here's what I would say say no. Say no, because you don't want what comes with the, with the Premiership. Um, and they're in this weird position where they think it's a bad thing that they can't get promoted. And I think it's a good thing. If they can't get promoted, they've got no pressure to spend that money. All of a sudden, the league becomes competitive. And before we know it, if they do it right, they could become sustainable in their own right. Because the worst thing in the world is to become dependent on the RFU because they're completely incompetent and for the most part malicious. So well, don't, an, don't an, be... An example of that is... Them. I mean, there are good examples of that in the Championship. And I know they finished uh, at the foot of the table, but Richmond are effectively a part-time yep. semi-pro team. Well, not part-time, but, but yeah, they they've, they've all got jobs. And they're, they're a semi-pro part-time team and they managed to mix it. Okay, they finished bottom, but they weren't adrift. They were in it till the last game of the season. And um, that, that's... And because they've... And for next season, I don't know whether they're going to stay up now if London Irish... I don't know how it's going. Yeah. Well, Wasps are going to have their place, were they not? Wasps are going to have their place. With Wasps not taking their place, I don't know what's going to happen now. Hope Maybe they'll get a reprieve, but they've let their DOR go because they've... Oh, because they get a reprieve and they're... Because they're pump. cutting their cloth, yeah. Oh, that's going to be a nightmare. Because if they're planning for a tier three instead of tier two rugby, yeah. there is a, there's a big difference in what yeah. you would spend. Yeah, oh, well, there's different rules, different laws too. Don't forget that. Tier that, three, yeah. They'll have to go and play kids' rules. Yeah. Go and get a, in fact, go and get an under-8s coach because they'll probably be more <laughs> adept to playing this game than, uh, <laughs> than the actual real rugby man that you had in charge. I'm glad we led off. You were right to lead off on the... The Talking about the positives of the games because the game, the fight, these finals last weekend, this weekend have been absolutely brilliant. Great well, games, yeah. Dying embers of a great sport, though, aren't they? Because these two teams will not be able to. Well, I think the World Cup's going to be great as well. The, the, this is what yeah, I mean. I think the World Cup. This is what I mean. Great, the yeah. raw product, uh, whatever's going on, uh, whatever goes on off the pitch, when you actually just put on your TV and watch the rugby, forgetting about how it's produced, presented, all that, just watching the pure rugby, I think it's great. Yeah, but the way I say it is. The World Cup might be sort of like the ballroom on the cruise ship, okay? And it looks great and everyone's dancing around. And what we see in England in the grassroots game and in the Premiership is basically water coming through in, into the boiler room and we're saying, this isn't going to last very long, I was going to say in Titanic, down in the boiler yeah, yeah. room, it all looks like they're having way more fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boys, this isn't going to end well. Don't worry, the ballroom looks great. No, 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 we really sort out all these leaks here. No, 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 Pe- people are dancing. It's absolutely fantastic. The World Cup... Will- will be great it, it's going very very badly well I'd say international rugby is going very well wouldn't you say yes but this is the, the massive is feast or famine isn't it yeah so international rugby is going to be dominated by France soon absolutely dominated by, mm. uh, by France who is going to be playing for England how are they going to produce these players like they, they, they are gutting I mean maybe they just do what they've always done and rely on the private schools. But if the private schools are so upset about contact rugby that they are the ones how, leading how the change... How have New Zealand, with a population of three million, done it for generations? Great question. Mm. Because I, I don't see it as simply as that, because ultimately it's 23 guys out on a pitch. It is, it is. I, I understand yeah. how having the base of the pyramid massive means you can increase the height no, not, not the massive, height of the pyramid. but like high quality. So New Zealand, as I understand it, will still have players in five years' time, or maybe they won't in five years' time, they'll still have players that... Play a game which looks like rugby. Like uh, the island team is is based on having high quality, mainly coming through yes the academies, but the school? The, the public school, the private yeah. school system. But so so I don't see the necessary yeah. correlation between 
Um, I think English rugby could be amazing with just but if our private, pri- private school products. I don't want that to be yeah. the case, but it, but it will if, still have if, a very good team. I mean, if the private schools in England are the ones allegedly, according to our OFU councillors, are allegedly the ones clamouring for the change to the tackle heights and a reduction in risk, that doesn't strike me as a particularly good pl- place to get your hardened rugby players from. In fact, it strikes me as a terrible place to get your hardened rugby players from. So, I mean, you know, you can still get your good athletes, you still get people who are well-trained in skills, but how are they going to produce these lads if they can't play the adult game? You won't know if they're any good to play the pro game until they actually get... It's not so different, I don't think it's as different as you're making out. It is so different. I I really don't. I'm 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 looking forward to the first game for Tok H and seeing exactly what Tok H do and mm. how they look and how that game is refereed because mm. as I understand it it has to be it's called the belly tackle for a reason and I'm telling you it's a different kettle of fish I, I just don't see it as being that different like, for, for me, certainly it, not in terms of producing a young player yeah. and as I've already said if it was trialled in the right way and you got hard evidence that this was necessary rather than this blanket thing when the, the data I perceive to be quite weak at this no, point. It's rubbish. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, we, as we've talked about before, but what I'm, what I'm saying is I, even, so long as those elements were ticked and to a small degree, as long as it doesn't make things worse, I'm actually, okay, as I've said well, before, I'm okay with children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So, the, the, just sorry, just my point would be um, the bit that I'm most worried about is the way it's been rolled out. Like the, the directive to referees and the way the, the way the law is implemented, I I don't see the fact that you've got to tackle. Now, what's the difference there? Six inches, eight inches lower. Huge difference. I, I, it's I, not for you because avoid. It doesn't. Yeah, because I, cause I it, it would be zero difference for me because I never tackle upright. Yeah. So there is. I I don't think it is as da- the actual intent how is as damaging. Been, how many times have you been injured? Loads. Exactly. Tackle upright. Uh. Very, very rarely from me making a tackle. Well, still correlation. <laughs> um, it's the way that the the guidance that they've given the referees, which is non-existent. So you're going to get all these different interpretations from teams and referees. I don't think it's as destructive as some people. I'm, I'm interested to see. I, prob- I wouldn't have voted for it, but well, it's going to be a total farce because of how badly it's been handled. Having the inside track on this somewhat and talking very widely about it, one of the most disturbing things about this whole process is how much the rumours were true. So the rumours were, it's going to be the belly... I heard the guy from the RFU describe it as the belly tackle, and then immediately in that same meeting go, oh, we've not called it the belly tackle, we've not decided it's the belly tackle, and then, hey presto, after the consultation, what was it? It was the worst version of what we thought, and it exactly lined up to the original... The original oh, press release. I agree, but what, now, yeah. sorry, just to yeah, go on. I, no, I, I, so this is just the start of it, because the other rumours going around is like, okay, we are going to reduce it to only one person in person in in the tackle, and there's oh, and the other one is the ball player can't make any sudden movements into contact, and you add up all these things, and you think these are not just rumours; these are things that they are considering. But they are actively lying. They are actively lying, and we've seen it with the high tackle stuff. It is always the worst interpretation of what they said so this is only the start it's not the end of it not by a long way well it could, it could get rolled out across rugby at the elite level well if the, it does that's a different time. matter but I can't imagine it because who would watch that do you watch that I, I, yeah I, 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 I think I don't think it's going to change it that much like I really don't what I you don't really think it'll change it what like 
one man in the tackle. No, oh, no, so, no, 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 so that's not that's not in these rules. I no. I would be very strongly against uh, one man in the only one man in the tackle. I, uh, I'm also yeah. strongly against, as we said before, the. I've got the laws in front of me right now. Significant drop in height. Yeah, one, nine point yeah. eleven point B. Ball carriers must not lower their height significantly before making contact with an opponent in open play. Kill me. I think that. I think that is. That is dreadful. That, that, you, you know those. You <laughs> that know, is absolutely dreadful. You know, yeah, it, it is really dreadful. Um, you know, when the ref gets you in a little huddle before games, you back in the day, and there, there's certain questions. When the ref says any questions, there's certain questions that people would always ask. Remember, there's always someone that says, "When's the ball out, sir?" Yeah. Is yeah. it like hands on or off the off yeah. the ground? Yeah, yeah. Which is one that is such a good law change. Yeah, it's such da- daylight, a good law not hands on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Such a sensible law change. Yeah, great. But it always used to be the question you asked. Now the question that teams are going to ask. Um, uh, is sir, what does significant mean to you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, done that, done that one to death. Yeah, we yeah. have. Um, so, so I, I guess this, the summary of what the point I was kind of making is, and I don't see even this law change affecting this unduly, but is international rugby has arguably never been better. Um, like, like the, uh, I mean, the RFU's in a really bad right, place just, fina- financially, but this World Cup could be. Let me just Incredible. take myself There's, there's out legitimately of, half a dozen teams that could win the World Cup, maybe yeah. more. I just need to take myself out of, um, you know, insider sort of, inside baseball mode, because that's primarily where I live. Taking myself away from that, you are right, because it has never been more competitive. Like, mm. there are a lot of teams that can win. And that and that is positive. I don't think there's any two as well. So, yeah, I think this could be a great World Cup. I yeah. Do. But I'm, I'm just like, so negative on the future <laughs> because I think in, the English game is about to collapse. And once that goes, everything goes. Mm. But, that, but you should be viewing that as a good thing. Cause, may, oh, I am. Argue, but, because the issue was, the issue is that 27 years ago, whatever it was when professionalism began, um, that was the point at which they, how do we do this? And the way they arranged it was with lots of different people having a stake and a say. And because you can't untie those knots... This this outcome that we're now facing was always destined to happen at some point because nobody had control enough to change the direction. It was it was a giant tanker which there were four different people holding the, the steering wheel and you couldn't and there's an iceberg ahead. So what it actually needs is almost break it yeah. so you can start again. Oh I, I'm focused mm. on I'm focused on five years' time. I'm not really worried about rugby at the moment because I think it's dead. How do we replace it, and what do we replace English, it with? English domestic elite, elite English elite domestic rugby the, and, and grassroots, the whole lot, the whole yeah, lot. English because it's going to break. It's it is it is not a growing sport. No, it's not. It is and a the people sport. responsible for it was it. An, it was a minority sport before, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a dec- yeah, we had it's an incredible minority sport in the same way the, U, the UFC is an incredible minority sport. And they want to mainstream it. And the more you mainstream it, the more it loses its appeal to, to anybody. Because believe you me, you're not competing with with anything, really. You're just not competing with anything. It's not good enough. Like, I, I, sorry to bang on about the, the colourblind people. But, you know, that was the main thrust of the sales pitch for the Premiership Final. Well, as we said last week... And we, that'd we, be we, like we did one t- of, yeah. but do you not think that would be one of the most interesting facts? If you found out behind the scenes that that's why the Premiership did it, but they made no play of it whatsoever... So yeah, this is for colorblind people, but yeah, we just do this anyway. Like, just, but the fact that that was like their sales pitch, 
this is what we're doing. This is this is why you should come to Twickenham because you might be colourblind. What on earth are you doing? Get out of my office. You're fired. That that would be that, that would be my immediate response to that. Yeah, I, I don't mind the decision and I don't mind the justification. Yeah. I don't mind it, but yeah, keep yeah, it quiet. It, it didn't need it, to be a PR story. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's, it's not why we're watching the game, is it? It's not why we're watching the game. Idiots. Oh, and enough. Enough of that. Yeah. Uh, so I spent all day yesterday at a rugby club. Which one? It was awesome. It's a rugby club I've never been to. I was phenomenally impressed by it. Mm. Uh, and it's in St. Helens. In St. Helens that you've never been to? I've never been to this rugby club. Not, uh, is it, was it Nosley Road? Is that, no, yeah. it was not Nosley Road. Is, that, um, is it a rugby league club? It is. Ah. Now, I don't know if you could call it this. I don't know if it's, it's certainly, it looks like it's spelled this way. Maybe Google it and see if you can say it's in it. Theato Amateur Rugby League Club. Theato. Theato, I think you say it. T-H, I, I don't know, E-T-T-O. It's something like that. It is brilliant. So, uh, do you know what, why I was there? I mean, you do, but, you know... That have something to do with uh, shifting some tin in, in in a CrossFit comp. Yes, that's right. I was doing a CrossFit. I was doing a CrossFit competition, and it happened to be held in Thato Heath. Thato Heath is it? Yeah, yeah. Happens to be held at Thato Heath Rugby League Ground, and you get there, and like, was it outside? You, no, it, no. They've, they've got their own training barn with a artificial pitch inside a training barn. Oh, I like awesome. It. Yeah, so that's where that's where the comp, that's where the competition was. So. um I did the obligatory thing when I'm at a rugby club, had a little nose around, and I went upstairs, and a a delightful lady um, introduced herself to uh, to me and started telling me all about the club. It is the biggest amateur rugby league club in the country. It has 22, uh, 22 teams playing there. Wow. The pitch is absolutely immaculate, and that's the first thing I noticed. It was like, when I went over to Lim a few years ago when they had their pictures done, mm. their pictures looked so good I'd happily go on holiday there. Um, <laughs> and it so was a, it's, it always, it's always sunny in Lim as well. It's always sunny it's always, when I play there, yeah. It's always looked beautiful. Such a beautiful club. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the pictures were immaculate. And then about, I would say, a couple of hundred people sh- showed up to watch and they were playing a, a team out of Rochdale. And the nice thing was, you go into their clubhouse and it is a big facility. Like, it's not... Some sort of I've got this thing in my mind that every rugby league um, club is like a couple of porter cabins or something. Yeah, right? yeah, this is not that. This is definitely not that. They go in there and they've got this massive cabinet and they must have won so many stuff, uh, so many things, trophies, uh, medals everywhere. It's just a cool, a cool facility. So yeah, there awesome. is there is and quite that- a lot of rugby which I don't know about. How did you how did you get on in your comp? I, That's I, the most important I, I don't want you to mistake this for anything other than the fact I have just been busting. For Go. <laughs> Fortunately, JB gave me a blow by blow, so I will not miss anything from him telling you. I will try and get. So the answer is, <laughs> the answer is, not very well. We finished as a pair eleventh out of nineteen. Okay, middle I, of the table. I had the second biggest lift in the com- in our competition. Nice, uh, one hundred and thirty kilogram clean. I should have got one hundred and thirty five, but I slipped. That is nice. It's getting there, isn't it? That is very. I good. think I've got one hundred and forty in me. I really do. Definitely. Definitely. With, with your rate of progress recently as well. 100%. Yes. <laughs> um, so, but what I'd say it's details. So, on our first workout, we went as fast as we possibly could, and I literally don't think. Any man alive could have moved as fast as we did. And we were a minute behind the top ranked pair. Wow. But luckily I'd filmed it. 
So after that, I was so gutted. I was like, we don't deserve to be here. Let's just go home. This is a waste of time. And watched a video. And we were smashing everyone in our heat by like six or seven reps. And then right at the end, we get a changeover wrong. And we have a bit of a miscommunication on our buyout for war walks. This means nothing to some people. Um, and that has cost us 30, 40 seconds. And we lose seven, oh. seven places. Oh. And then the next workout, we have, a, we have a couple of no reps, which costs us an absolute fortune. And that drops us five places. If we'd gone into the lifting, oh. lifted us from fourteenth to seventh. Yeah. So we're now in striking range of the finals. You need to be top four. Yeah. And then, well, the last event. I'll tell you off air about the last the last event. <laughs> but some some of the judging was not quite so standard. That oh, said, okay. that said, judges do it for free. You know, uh, we weren't yeah. going to win it anyway, so. You know, they can all rest easy. Yeah, yeah. You can't complain. It's like complaining about the referee, but you've been beaten by 30 points. Exactly, exactly. It was an awesome day, though. Northern Games, it was. I can't wait to do the next one. Very good. I cannot wait. That sounds awesome. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not had that much fun. Considering, like, you're you're absolutely broken by workout three, and then you might (laughs) need to do a final. But I've not had that that much fun in the afternoon for a long, long time. Excellent. So I get time the hand credit. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfect no, I, no, I'm sure you, I, I will listen back, but I'm sure you just. I'm uh, sure you will. Sure you, no, no, I'm sure you just explain what, what we said in the kitchen. Sounded exactly really good. Sounded really good. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, well, I've not confirmed our CrossFit challenge yet, but the CrossFit challenge should be us versus a Premiership rugby player of some repute. And we should do him versus me doing Olympic lifts, him versus Tim at a row. And then him versus Phil at some like handstand push-ups and pull-ups. And then see <laughs> if he can beat any one of us at any of these things. Or smash all of us. Yeah. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I think, depending on what position the Premiership rower play, uh, the Premiership seven. player. International the, seven. An international seven will will cane me at a row. Do you reckon? Well, yeah, because they, they will be presumably in their 20s or early 30s. They've got at least 10 years on me, maybe 15 years yeah. on me or more. <laughs> yeah, but you've got that technique... T- Tim, mm. I mean rowing is technically mind you. I saw a couple a, of guys a, rowing. A twenty-two-year-old, a twenty-one-year-old uh, me after I after I, after I rowed at the Henley Regatta with Exeter University, I would I would have caned any Premiership player. Yeah, <laughs> but if you now get, twenty years further on, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know how to row, it does make a big difference. Mm. It makes a huge difference. I think they'll have had a few tips. Yeah. Well, they're not our tips. Why are they our tips? Uh, we saw. I was watching a guy who's doing one minute fifteen splits on his five hundred meter row. Nice. <laughs> That's quite quick, isn't it? Getting one fifteen for one pull is pretty. Yeah, is pretty good. yeah. He did decrease after that. It was right. It was right at the start of the th- start of the three hundred meter sprint. Oh, okay, so it's three hundred meters at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't. He, he didn't complete that. He finished about one one two five or something. Yeah, but yeah. Very fast. I've mm. never even seen that number on <laughs> on my screen. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you you, you 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 can do a Premiership seven at Hanslam push ups and pull ups. Pull ups. Pull-ups, I'm, well, it depends. I'm, I'm Strict, not bad at pull-ups. There's no way that they're practising handstand push-ups. Just <laughs> the idea of doing a handstand but push-up. But they're just so immensely strong. They are, but they're yeah. immensely heavy as well. That's the thing in my favour. I'm not that heavy. Yeah. I, I, th- I think Phil. I think I Phil's got them. I don't think, I don't think so. Powerlifting, I'm screwed. But Olympic lifting, I bet they can't snatch. Yeah, it, it, it's genuinely it's probably too high a injury risk yeah. for them to do snatch. And if you injure this guy, oh my word! <laughs> imagine, imagine being on the hook to pay the compensation for that. Oh for a year. god! Mm. It's like when World Rugby were playing, paying Sale to pay Lude Diaga for a year. <laughs> 
Um, any more for any more? No, I don't think so. And other than a bit of Super Rugby, there's not really any games next no. week. Uh, no. Not, not any games for a while. So we've got... We'll keep podding. We'll find things to talk about. We definitely will. In the next round of games... We'll have London Irish to dissect the more detail. Yes, that's a good point. One, one way or another, something's going to happen. And we'll, and we'll, it's only a, a, what a month or so, and then the World Cup warm-ups begin. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Steve Baldwick will announce it. Oh, that's one thing. Steve Baldwick will announce his 55-man squad. You'd think probably tomorrow or the next in the next couple of days. Every other team has done it. Steve Baldwick has waited. Is it which players do you want to see in that wider squad that we haven't already seen in an England squad? Mm. Joe Carpenter. Theo Dan is one. Joe Carpenter is a good one. Um... I kind Val, of think oh, Val Pavaruskin has been in training. Mm. But yeah, him. Uh, Seb Atkinson. Yeah, that's a good shout. I think he's not a bad. I, shout, yeah, yeah, I think he'll. I think he'll be in. I don't think he'll make an England squad right now, yeah. but he's he's had a brilliant season. So yeah, good shout. Charlie Atkinson has not done enough for me. Um, he's been in England squads before anyway, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but is it like the apprentice kind of guy? Yeah, but that's what I mean. This yeah. would be a fifty-five man yeah. squad. I think Dan Kelly did one day. Yeah, and Dan Kelly's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Willis did just a couple of days, and I think. Yeah, Tom Willis. I'd like to but, see him in. Um, yeah, because of exceptional circumstances. Yeah, mm. uh, I can't think of anyone else right now off the top of my head. Yeah, just well, partly because Eddie Jones got in a lot of people mm. across his tenure, hundreds of people into uh, the the wider squad um, with apprentice players as well. But we can get into the conversation about World Cup bolters, like because yeah, we'll get we, we've got all that to to explore. But um, are you up to speed and watching Succession? Uh, no. Oh, do you? Uh, have we had this I've, conversation I've never, before? I've never seen Please it. watch Succession. Uh, like Phil, particularly as I know you appreciate. Like it, Peep Show is my favourite show of all time. I love Peep Show, and it's the same guy Jesse uh, Jesse Armstrong who wrote Peep Show wrote Succession. Okay, he's come a long way. Wow. What? Hang on. The guy who wrote Peep Show wow. wrote Succession. The guy who wrote Peep Show wrote Succession. And not even funny, that, that's a lot of range, and Will, Will Ferrell is one of the executive producers. So just to put it like wow. that's the league that Jesse Armstrong I, is in now. I think Peep Show is brilliant. It is written. brilliant, isn't it's, it? It's brilliant. The whole thing is brilliant. There are so many moments where they do some weird thing in the show. And I'm like, yeah, I do that. Like, it's just, it captures... Is it, it's the qual- uniqueness. It's the quality of the characters and the consistency of the characters. Yeah. I had a conversation with a mate of mine the other day, and he said the most amazing thing about Peep Show is that, and you don't get this with any other show, from the start of from episode one, series one, to the end of episode of series nine, um, when it when it finished, there is no growth in the characters whatsoever. <laughs> they are just as useless at the end as they were at the beginning, and it's so true. Oh, it's. Brilliant. It's such a good show. Yes. And, um, but yeah, so Jesse Armstrong wrote, and, and all the things you say about uh, Peep Show, like the, the funny one-liners, the really great observations, it's, yeah. he does it, but with these awful billionaires, and it's, it's, it's amazing. So I've seen season one of Succession, and I was like, yeah, got, this is interesting. I'm just so jaded by it's, box sets. It's really funny. You've just got to go back and watch it again. You've got to. Mm. Mm. It's so good. And the, the finale is tomorrow. The final, oh, final okay. episode is tomorrow, so that's why I mentioned it. And will we get wait. any insight? I mean, how closely does it map onto the Murdoch story? Do you think I couldn't possibly say as as a uh, uh, as an employee of, course, of, of yeah, the Murdoch yeah, Empire? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't recognise the, the the relationship <laughs> between uh, the, the Roys and the, the Murdochs at all. I don't think there's any. Do you, I don't do, think there's do any comparison. I, I, no. I, I never meant to put you in in, in, in that position, Tim. I apologise <laughs> profusely. Um, yeah, it has been said though, but yeah, 
Yeah, it's I, chipped I on by you though. Well, uh, if there is, uh, oh, one last if, thing. If there is in the Murdoch in the Murdoch organisation, if somewhere at, at News UK when I go there to work for Virgin or Talksport, or whatever, if there is someone that is like. Greg and Tom in succession, and then I want to meet them and make, make them my friends. <laughs> yes, quite. So, before we go, there is one more thing. It's a new phrase that I'll be using quite often. Um, unwise, but not illegal. So that, <laughs> <laughs> I am never going to stop using this phrase. As soon as I heard it, I thought, that is brilliant. Everything I do from now on is going to be unwise, but not illegal. The scope like, defence. Like scope that. defence. That's in fact that's that's what the new rugby defensive coaches should be doing. We, we've got the scope uh, yeah, system exactly. now. It's it's unwise but not illegal. Uh, yeah, well, look, sir, I know it was unwise, but was it illegal? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that. In fact, in fact, do you know what? I'm going to set my Instagram profile right now as unwise but not illegal. <laughs> it perfectly encapsulates my life. <laughs> Uh, there we go on that bombshell thank you very much for listening uh, patreon.com slash egg chasers um, uh, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we will keep podcasting the rest of the, the grassroots pod all the grassroots podcasts will, will shut up they'll probably shut up shop for a well, month won't they funnily enough the thing that Stephen Jones finished his article on he said all the buffoons with microphones will shut up for a few for a few months which means he's a massive fan he must be a fan <laughs> because he thinks all the others are buffoons does that mean um, his podcast is going to continue because if he's just called himself and his podcast friends is, I are mean, buffoons I, I, they... well, I will say right now the guys at times are not buffoons far, no, from, really it, yeah, far yeah. from it so they must be continuing I hope they're continuing podcasting <laughs> because this would be a savage blow a savage blow <laughs> an in- internally savage blow we will keep podcasting as we do 52 weeks of the year and if you appreciate that well, we'll support us and uh, let the boys play let the boys play 